Welcome to another episode of The Wheat Profit, a podcast where we explore all things wheat. The goal of this podcast is to provide Saskatchewan wheat producers with resources and information to increase profitability and sustainability on their farm. I will be interviewing experts in the field about current production issues and the latest wheat research. I'm your host, Haley Tatro, the Agronomy Extension Specialist with Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Today we'll be discussing the soil moisture outlook for 2021 with Les Henry. Les is a legend in the agronomy world and is well known for his no-nonsense practical approach to agriculture. I remember reading his book in university, Henry's Handbook of Soil and Water. Les is a former professor and extension specialist at the University of Saskatchewan and farms near Dundurn. Les, welcome to The Wheat Profit and thank you for taking some time to be here with us today. So before we get into the 2020 out, 2021 outlook of uh, soil moisture maps, let's take a little bit of time to talk about how you make these maps and what kind of data goes into them. The first thing one has to realize, to make a soil moisture map, you have to understand soil moisture. And to understand soil moisture, you have to understand the soil. And the soil is... Uh, by volume, about 50% solid material, which is minerals and organic matter and all that good stuff. And the other, <clears throat> the other 50% is pore space. And in the ideal situation for growing crops, that pore space is about 50% occupied with water and 50% occupied with air. And at that point, it's referred to as being at its field capacity. In other words, that soil can hold as much water as it can hold against the pole of gravity. So it's uh, by volume about 50% pore space, uh, ready to grow crops. It's 50% of that pore space is water and the other 50% is air. So knowing that uh, various soils have different moisture holding capacities light soils have about an inch per foot. So over the rooting zone, about four inches, medium ones. And that's what we'll talk about most in, in the numbers, just to keep it simple, is about an inch and a half and clay soils are about two inches. So when the soil is full of water, different soils have different amounts of water. So when people make a map and say, this is the inches of available water or millimeters of available water, it's really not true. And that's the, that's the gives the texture. So how the map is made, the, the first stubble soil moisture map in Saskatchewan was made as long ago before you kids were born in 1978. And uh, at that time, we realized just doing routine soil fertility and other work all over the province as we did, that in the fall of the year after the, the basic assumption was the crop had, had sucked the soil dry to four feet. That was our basic assumption starting off with. And in those years, that was, that was mostly true. So the recharge starts about the time the crop quits using water, which is about the end of July. So we would take a starting point each year and uh, get the rainfall data from the start of recharge up until freeze up. And that rainfall data in those days was the provincial department of agriculture through 300 and some crop reporters. So that, and uh, we would take the rainfall map because the only way you recharge soil moisture is with rain. So if you've got rain, you got recharge. If you don't have rain, you don't have recharge. So we'd make a, about along about early October. Uh, and the other fact is that fall rains are mostly system rains rather than thunder showers. So there's less, less variability. Along about uh, 
early October, we'd take that uh, rainfall data, and this is before computers all manually calculated, and we'd, we'd make a map of how many uh, inches of rain had fallen over various parts of the province. And then we would uh, ground truth it by soil probing. And the other thing you have to understand about soil moisture, if you've got a dry soil and you add uh, 25 millimeters of water or an inch, that doesn't go and suck it all up through, you know, it, it, it wets down to a certain depth and then stops. That's the definition of field capacity. And so you've got a soil that's at field capacity over bone dry soil. And that's easy to establish with a simple soil probe. It's called the wetting front. So we used a soil probe to establish the wetting front. And I had realized that you could uh, go on a quarter section of land and you could uh, poke one hole or you could poke a hundred holes and you were going to get the same answer. There's one, not many things in soils that you can say that about. So we discovered that, uh, you know, we could probably make a map. And uh, so I, I made a preliminary map just as part of other activities. This is how things were done in those days and uh, took it into the department head and showed them what I had. And at that time, the grasshopper people made a map that went on ele every elevator wall. And there were hundreds of elevators in those days. Went into the boss who was ready and said, this is what I've got. He said, if you can do that, we'll find the money to publish it. So that map went on every elevator wall that winter. In today's world, you'd still be forming a committee to decide whether to do it or not. But that's how things were done. So that's how the map was made. Now it, it is by taking the rainfall and uh, uh, ground truthing it with the wetting front. Now in recent years, I've uh, gone through grain roofs and made a three province map. And that's basically with, with rainfall and very minimal probing. And, and uh, in recent years, there's been some help from uh, young uh, tech savvy people that are putting soil moisture probes in and they've helped me with data, but that's basically made from rainfall. And both Alberta and Manitoba have especially Alberta has a huge weather network. So you can go to almost any place and you can pick five stations and get the rain that, that you need. So you've got pretty good rainfall data to truth it. Manitoba, uh, not as big a one, but pretty good. Saskatchewan, we're still dealing with the uh, farmers dumping the rain gauges and send them in, but that's okay because there's there's enough points that, that you can do it. So the, the map gives the situation as a freeze up. Now, why did we select freeze up? Well, from in this country, from November 1st till the 1st of April, not much is going to change. Some snow can come on top, but it's not going to change the soil moisture map, uh, much. And uh, so that means that that information is available through this planning season of, of months long. So that's how the, how the maps are made. And, and uh, again, to, to uh, make a soil moisture map, you have to understand soil moisture. And the legend that we made up in 1978 is still the legend that's used today. For the different soils, you know, once uh, uh, once the soils are all full of water, you know, one holds four and one holds eight. So you need to know the soil map to know how much you've got. And people talk about about uh, normal, you know, the situation is they've got a situation relative to normal. Farmers don't grow crops with normal; they grow crops with inches of water. So you have to know the inches of inches of water. So that's how the how the maps are. Uh, are made and it's very general. Uh, there, there's going to be local areas that it doesn't apply to, but it's it's a general map and it's basically held up. For example, for the 2020 crop, 
all of a sudden it didn't rain and everybody's hauling drought, drought, drought. Oh, southwest or southeastern Saskatchewan is dry, dry, dry. We're not going to have a crop. Of course you're going to have a crop. The crop, the soil is full of water. If the soil is full of water, it doesn't take much rain to grow a crop. But that's not the situation we're in right now. So just before we get into the outlook for 2021, you mentioned about um, the snow not recharging the soil much. Can you just explain a little bit about why the snowfall doesn't accumulate that much in the soil? Well, that depends. I wrote an article on Grain News this one it was called The Snow Job. And uh, realizing that uh, we had basically nothing over much of uh, central Saskatchewan and, and into Alberta. And uh, we had that big snow and blow in November through central Saskatchewan, Saskatoon here, we're just getting rid of it now. I went back and reviewed all the, all the literature and, and uh, field work that we and mostly others had, had done to see what this might, might give us. The problem with snow is that it blows. So you've got snow like I, I uh, have a little farm at Dundurn in the rolling land. And so we had, you know, 10 inches or more. That was a big dump in it, but it was a big blow too. So most of it's in my yard, in the bluffs out in the field and uh, piles here and there. So you don't know what, what it's going to be. The best situation for this year, somebody's got canola with a uh, you know, fairly level uh, situation and, and a foot of stubble and that canola is full of full of snow, then there is a, is a chance. And I think this year we've, we've, the snow is probably over many areas is, is sufficient that there'll be some moisture on top, probably enough to germinate the crop. Mm -hmm. But the thing this year, uh, over all that area that's mapped as very dry, there won't be a normal crop unless there's above average rainfall and it has to be timely. Like I had a, a former student three or four years ago at crop production. So you say, you know, we farmers, we've got a fix, we've got new methods of doing things and we don't need uh, we don't need water anymore. I grew a good crop on three inches of water. No, you didn't. You grew it on three inches of rain. The rest came out of the ground. And the thing we've learned in the last few years, it's not only that four feet that the, the uh, wheat and canola plants uh, root around in, it can be even deeper not in some cases, but we're interacting with the water table that we never did before because we've had all these series of wet years. But and I have water table wells right on right on my farm, and and, and that day is over. You know the, the wells are dry, so it's it's a different different situation. So uh, to to give a comparison, the last uh, we're sitting right now about where we were sitting, going into the eight, 1988 crop year again, probably before you kids were born, but. Uh, at that time, I just looked back at some of the precipitation data and, and the uh, results. Here in Saskatoon, for example, in 87 uh, fall and winter up to the end of February, because we're just in March now, we had four inches of rain and uh, four inches of moisture that had, had, had uh, been received. How much of that went into the soil? Probably very little, but there was four inches. And we had another four inches of rain in May to, to July, the main, and we grew five bushels of wheat. And the, and the 1987 crop had been 30 bushels of wheat, so the, it was good. And to pick another place in Swift Current, they had, uh, oh, and I, I, I forgot to mention that this, this year in 2020, 21,
we've had less rain in the recharge period a little bit than they had at that time. And in swift current, uh, the, the August to end of February rain was 4.3 inches, and this year it's only been 1.7. And uh, they had six inches of rain in the, in the growing period, May to July, and they got 10 bushels a week. The, the other thing about adding up the total rainfall, that, that's a bit of a misnomer too, a bit of a mistake too. Like in my farm at Dundurn, the last rain that I measured that had any impact on the soil moisture was the 8th of July. And after that, I had 2.2 inches of rain, but it added up to zero. So a lot of these little rains are in and out. Like uh, I'd go out and dump uh, two or three tenths of rain out of the gauge and by noon, it was all gone. So you can't just add up the rain and say that that's gone, that's gone in. And so uh, it there was almost any of that rain that came, you know, and in my case, it was 2.2 inches. It really adds up to nothing. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the situation. So uh, it doesn't mean that it can't uh, rain and we're not going to get crops. For example, when I look back at the 2019 map, there was a, a chunk of uh, south central uh, Alberta that had uh, very dry conditions and the rest of it was, was dry. You know, it, it wasn't good, but they had uh, above average rain and, and lots of it all year, so they had a crop. And that could well, like I'm not in, I'm not in the business of, of uh, predicting, you know, whether it's going to, I don't have those kind of connections. So uh, whether it's going to rain or not, but all I know is unless we have above average rainfall and it's timely, we're not going to have an average crop. And it could be, it could be something very, uh, uh, you know, there's a whole generation of people that don't realize that it doesn't rain every year. And, uh, and some of them have experienced years when there was no rain and they still had a crop and they think they've got some kind of magic and they don't. The magic is the water in the ground. So, so as far as uh, managing uh, what you do about it, I never was, a, as a farmer, I never was, and I just always farmed a small uh, acreage. I never made my whole living at it, but it was enough you got, a, if you got a little, uh, nickel in the pail, you, you, you think a little different. And uh, I never was a big fan of pouring a lot of money into, into dry ground. The last the drought that we experienced in, in my farming experience in Dundurn was 2001 and 2002. And we were at the same position similar to this, but not as bad as 88. And uh, so for 2002 wheat crop, I simply went out with a disker and seeded it with a little phosphate. It ended up getting 80, 18 bushels and made money because it, uh, the wheat board overshot in those days we had to deal with the wheat board and it overshot the thing and had too high a price and it had no inputs. So my advice is you'll never go broke making money. You know, maybe you would have made a lot more but you'll never go broke making money. So I think uh, what people need to think about is where they are in their situation. And uh, people have, come to realize, you know, we've, we've grown crops that we could only dream about. When I wrote my book, I had crop yields based on moisture and some of them were pretty high yields. They looked ridiculous. And now they look a little on the low side, you know, because people have learned how to grow great crops. And when you've got all the, all the moisture you need, you, you can grow great crops. But uh, what I would advise to people depends on what situation you're in. If it's a multi-generational farm with lots of equity, 
carry on as normal. The big expense in terms of fertilizer is nitrogen. And if it doesn't rain, that nitrogen is going nowhere. We proved that in the, in the 80s. There was a lot of dry years in the 80s. The 80s was, was the biggest one, and we proved it then. Soil testing was going then. And all the farms that used fertilizer, you could pick it up in the soil test. In fact, I remember the soil test director of the day saying we can, we can tell who are, what dealers are recommending too much fertilizer because it's all still left in, the, left in the ground. So it'll still be there. And you'll still be there because you have equity. But if it's uh, as many farms are these days, uh, uh, highly leveraged is, is the polite word, is, which means a lot of debt and mostly rented land. Uh, I think they want to look pretty seriously at how much money you put in, 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 in dry ground because uh, it, uh, if you have the financial depth to carry through, that's, that's okay. But if not, uh, it would be different. So it's, uh, I never was one to tell a farmer what to do. Uh, I don't tell farmers how to farm. Only farmers can farm, bureaucrats and, and professors uh, can't farm. I put around at it, but you know, only farmers can farm. I always thought my job was to give them the best information you can give them and on the basis of that, they'll decide what they need to do. Exactly. So and you've got a lot of years of experience to, to give some advice. So that's tools like this are so, so handy as a farmer to be able to, you know, look at it and make decisions based on, on what we have on the ground. So, yeah. so majority of the province then on the map, I can see, I guess, obviously, you know, our, our listeners won't be able to see that, but majority of the map, um, I guess, central and south is, is very dry then. Yeah, that's right. And Certainly none of this applies to the Battle Lake area and it didn't in the, in the 80s either the Battle Lake area was still uh, still wet. In fact, they've had too much and, and much of, uh, you know, Edmonton and, and north and uh, any direction but south from Edmonton in Alberta is the same situation. Now, Manitoba was almost always, always good. And uh, I always am hesitant to map much dry soil in Manitoba. But the, the thing that we've learned in the last decade is that how much interaction there is with the water table. In Manitoba, there's big areas where there's interactions with the water table. So if it's dry on top, it depends how big the, the dry layer is. If the dry layer is only a foot, it wouldn't take that many inches of rain to fill it up and, and you're good to go. And uh, people that are, uh, these the soil moisture probes are probes that uh, uh, consulting people are, are using and this only started a few years ago uh, in southeast Saskatchewan is where it started. And this was an industry thing, not a, not a public thing. And, and they have the soil moisture probes that they put in the ground to three or four feet and, and measure at various uh, points along the way. And anybody that has no, that will know what they went into at freeze up and, and whether, how big the dry layer was. And in the, my farm at Dundurn, for example, the, the dry layer was completely bone dry to three feet and the fourth foot had a little dab in it, but it all depends. There's, there's various situations, but if they don't know their, their own situation, the, the general one is just, uh, just not good. But what's going to happen in terms of rain? I don't know, but uh, you know, March is our, March is our month. Uh, you know, we look back just at last year in March, we had uh, two, uh, two snowfalls of almost three inches, one of them wet and heavy, the other soft and fluffy. I, I keep track of those things just for, for fun. But, you know, it's added up to, to zero, you know, there's skiffs is all we've had. So, so like I say, what's going to happen? But what, what it would take, 
to, to fill it, if, if, the, if the soil is low dry water, it takes uh, ab about five inches to fill up a medium textured soil, you know, so you're, so you're good to go. But you can get, you, you don't need it all at once. If you get enough to wet up a couple of feet and then it, the crop grows and then you get some more, that's fine, you get some more. But uh, if you have a long period of drought and you don't have any uh, uh, reserves, that's when the trouble comes. Uh, the, the water table interaction I started to learn actually in 2000 and 2012. And that's when the cycles had, had changed and we had a uh, big snowfall in 2005. We had 20 inches of rain in 2010. 20 inches of rain, 10 too much, that's enough to bring the water table up eight feet. So in 2012, I was doing crop tours with my neighbors and had a nice flat spot on my hilly ground. There are some flat spots with good topsoil. It hadn't rained for a long time. The crop was growing like a horse and the soil probe went in the ground like butter. I said, there's something not right here. There's gotta be a water table. No, 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 there isn't. So that's why I put my first water table well in. The water table is four feet and that's what the crop was living on. So you really have to under, understand the situations. That's the other thing about cycles. I can make a very good point based on observation wells that the Saskatchewan Research Council started putting in in the 1960s and is now that's now maintained by the Water Security Agency. You can take one right on the University of Saskatchewan Goodale Farm, very near Saskatoon, and another one at Melford, and I can make a very good case for a net cumulative drought from 1975 to 2005. So most of those years, you know, you were always looking at the sky and when is it going to rain? And uh, that turned around very sharply at 2005 with the big snow and then the big rain of, of uh, 2010 and, and uh, other areas in the eastern part of Saskatchewan, uh, 2011 and 14 were big rains. That's what got Old Wives Lake in, into trouble with all those big rains. But that all brought the water table up. But that peaked a, a few years ago and, and uh, those wells are now back where they were in 1975. So like I say, what that means for the future, I don't know, but I've got a pretty good handle on what's happened in the past. And one thing I know, there's a lot of people are in for a big surprise if they don't, if they don't have the right connections with mother nature. Yeah, I guess all we can do is hope for rain, but um, thank you very much for, for sharing all of your perspective with us and, and all of your knowledge. And, and thank you for creating tools like this for producers to use. This is uh, very valuable to be able to make decisions. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Wheat Profit, brought to you by the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. For more information on wheat agronomy, marketing, advocacy, and research, please go to saskwheat.ca or follow us on Twitter where we are at saskwheat.